Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we are going to do a podcast on a wonderful article by the Feminist Current, and it's titled, Why Isn't Anyone Talking About the Influence of Porn on the Trans Trend? Very cool. <laughs> what a cool topic. And it's got a cool picture of Fen Dom feminization hypnosis. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. So uh, these podcasts are podcasts that we talk about the Bible and sex and sexuality and sensuality. And we love talking about current events. It seems to be one of our main topics nowadays. Yeah. It's kind of what's going on in the world. Um, and we've been, you know, obviously talking about pornography for a long time, but, um, you know, pornography has a lot of different, uh, changes in it, rights and lefts and all different ways. And, and it's, it's kind of an interesting title. Um, why isn't anybody talking about the influence of porn on the trans, uh, trend? Um, I guess this person wants... Uh, to get the idea that there's something that's going on in today's pornography that's, you know, uh, creating the incredible uptick mm-hmm. in people, young people, old people, <coughs> in this idea of, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a girl or I'm a boy. And, and we've, we've done some really cool podcast, kind of Matrix-like podcast on... <laughs> You know, is, is, is your body really you or is it just your brain and how you perceive yourself? I thought that was really good um, and how, how it, uh, um, how it uh, played a part in or plays a part in trans ideology. Yeah. And <clears throat> you can tell when you read an article like this, and we'll, we'll dive into the specifics in a second here, but you're dealing with people that haven't, I believe they haven't fully really thought out. Uh, what they think about the body-brain dichotomy. And to this woman's credit, she is seeing, okay, is it possible that a lot of people are identifying as trans, they're identifying as the opposite gender in which they were born into? Is it possible that there's a social contagion element, right? Is it possible that there are other factors that are leading someone to make this decision? But she isn't willing to fully throw out the idea that there aren't people out there that are legitimately gender dysphoric. So she's not saying that, well, everybody is influenced by something and that's what's making them make this decision and it's always wrong and your body is a composite of, I mean, I'm sorry, yourself is a composite of spirit and body and therefore whatever your given sexual identity is, namely your biological sex, that is the gender expression that you are uh, obligated to express within your own life, right? That's what God has intended for you to express within your own life. That's more difficult for some people, for sure, but it doesn't change the fact that that is what you are uh, obligated to do. This woman has kind of thrown out the concept of God, and so she's not willing to say that. She's not willing to say that your biology determines the way you're supposed to express your gender. But she is willing to go so far as to say, maybe there are factors that are influencing some people 
into thinking that there's something that they are not. And many people in the gender ideology nowadays aren't even willing to say that. Yeah. They would say, well, no, 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 you, you have a fixed gender identity. You just need to figure out what that is. And there isn't anything that could actually influence that identity. Yeah. It, it's fixed. It, it can't be changed or altered. You just need to figure it out. Yeah, and, and really she says, um, uh, she wants to call attention to the phenomenon uh, and and that's a good word because I think what everybody is seeing nowadays is a phenomenon, right? right. A, a very huge uptick right. in this kind of trans ideology, and people people you know saying, "Hey, I'm this, I'm that," and you know, in history, when you have when you have like time, you know, uh, all of history that we can look back on in the writings of history, and and you don't see anything like this you don't see something like this on large scales and then all of a sudden you have these crazy upticks like this where you know the graph the chart just goes right up yeah. you know just boom a sharp uptick then <clears throat> obviously there is something that's going on and so people have used this ter term phenomenon right and know? and it does come from this weird idea that our culture has that this is the unique thing about our culture I think some people believe that the entire transgender move is unique among mankind, and that's not true. People have been messing with gender since gender was created by God. You know, we yeah. see we see some interesting gender bending type stuff in the Bible, uh, namely in First Corinthians. Gender bending. Yeah. <laughs> some people even think uh, Genesis six is a gender bending right. <laughs> that's going on. Exactly. Uh, you know, and and God has certain provisions about gender bending even in the book of Deuteronomy so obviously it was pervasive obviously people were thinking about it the idea of uh, goddesses that were hermaphroditic you know meaning that they carried both sets of genitalia yeah um, this concept was definitely present within mankind yeah the unique thing about our culture is this idea that you have a fixed gender identity where does it come from well, they're a little bit amorphous on where it comes from, but basically they believe in the concept of a soul. You have some sort of a soul, you have some sort of an inner being, and that inner being is fixed, and you need to figure out how to express it. This is what existentialism has taught our culture. Now, because of that, instead of someone looking, and when you read the article, there's some parts that me and Bo kind of laughed at, because she's a little behind the eight ball on some of the culture for sure uh you know she even though this is a feminist woman she talks in some of the parts of this article like a conservative like an older conservative kind of christian individual which i thought was a little funny but uh essentially what again is unique about this moment is that instead of seeing it as we've seen it throughout the past as a fetish, right? Just like some people are into that. Some people get sexually aroused at seeing themselves as a different gender. This is what was happening in the temple of Corinth. Uh, I mean, the temple of Aphrodite that was in Corinth, and that's why Paul has to write to address it, is that people were aroused by the idea of women dressing up like men and men dressing up like women. And that's why he had to forbid that kind of cross-dressing within the church itself. But the idea that there's a fetish here, that, that people would get aroused by something that's innately what we understand to be wrong, that's old news, right? It's very, very old for sure. The idea in our culture, though, is no, 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 it's not a fetish, it's an identity. That's the weird thing. 
Mm -hmm. So she talks about a phenomenon of pornography-induced dysphoria that simultaneously promotes extreme sexual objectification and the degradation of womanhood. So this is, you know, from a feminist point of view, uh, anti-porn feminist point of view. Right. And hence the idea of objectification and degradation of womanhood. And it says this is a brief overview of the prevalence of sissification content available available publicly without age restrictions across social media platforms. Okay, so let's get into this a little bit. It says, in recent years, trans pornography has soared in popularity. According to Pornhub's metadata, both trans and transgender porn searches have more than quadrupled in the three years between 2014 and 17. And by 2018, trans was ranked the fifth highest search term of the year. So during the same period, a subset of transgender pornography emerged and increased in popularity and prevalence. Sissy hypno. That's what it is. A shortening of sissification hypnosis is a term of pornography targeted at men that can be found online in three main forms, pornographic videos, audio files, and captioned images. The pornography typically involves men wearing lingerie and engaged in, quote, forced feminization, eroticizing the illusion of being made to, quote, become women through dress, makeup, and sexual submissiveness, and the fetishizing of the humiliation this brings. Through sissy hypno as a term seems to have only gained popularity recently, increasing significantly since 2016, according to Google search data. There are already several websites dedicated to the genre, including uh, a couple of the ones that they name. I don't need to name them. So in May, Duke University Transgender Studies Quarterly published an academic article titled, titled, quote, Sissy Remix, Trans Porno Remix in constructing the trans subject by Aster Gilbert, a PhD student in the Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies at the University of Kansas. A male who identifies as a woman, Aster's student profile describes his dissertation as centered on, quote, online pornography fan communities, especially fans who create their own pornography through remixing and re-editing available material found online, unquote, and states he has presented research on trans and micro-pornography, quote, or, quote, micro-pornography, quote, end quote, at the National Women's Studies Association. It says, in this article, Astor defines sissification and feminization as, quote, forms of gender play in which the subject takes on the dress of the opposite gender and explains that sissy is also claimed by trans women as an identity. Astor then goes on to describe how sissy or sissy hypno videos, especially those made by men who identify as trans, instruct men to transform into women through the pornography industry term, quote, girl, is often used instead. Mantras are repeated, often a variation of you are the girl, commanding the viewer to imagine themselves as female. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting things in there. Um, Too many to get into. Yeah, (laughs) too too many to get into in this particular podcast, but one of the things I want to point out, and, and you see how convoluted this gender ideology becomes, but one of the things you see is this mixing between what they call transgenderism and this other thing that they never name, 
but they hint at what it is. So the term is actually autogynephilia, and it's a type of fetish in which you get aroused by imagining yourself as the opposite gender, right? Now, when I use that fancy term, you might be like, what the heck, where is this coming from? But this is the exact premise that allows for drag queens, right? The idea of drag queen burlesque shows are men who get aroused, right? There's an arousal in dressing up in the apparel of a female and people perceiving them as a female. That's the idea there. Um, but this is very different because, again, from the gender ideology, trans, a trans woman is not a man who gets turned on and people perceiving him as a woman. It's a man who actually thinks he's a woman, right? Man who actually believes to, himself to be a woman. Now, another interesting facet about this that I found really interesting is Leah Thomas, who is one of the most uh, well-known transgender people in the world right now. Uh, some of you may not know the name, but he is a, is a man who is ranked about 400th in the co collegiate swimming circuit. And he, he, goes to U, U, uh, he goes to the University of Penn State. He transitioned to be a, a woman and now is the top female swimmer ever, right? He is, he is annihilated. In the world. The, yeah, he has annihilated Olympic records <laughs> held by women for years uh, after, again, being 400 as a male. Now, his teammate, a woman named Riley Gaines, did some research on him, and she found that he is into autogynephilia. So he's not actually transgender. He's not actually believing he's a woman. He is sexually aroused by other people seeing him as a woman. And beyond that, there's other really sick things that she found on his Facebook page, like he saved, uh, he, he had his testicles removed and actually saved them in a jar, right? Really weird and perverse stuff. Yeah. Things that as a society, like I said, we've always known about stuff like this, but they were always like on Hollywood and Vine, you know, they're on these, right. these interesting streets that everyone yep. knows about, but nobody goes down. But they're yeah. these subcultures mm -hmm. that have existed for years and years and years. But what's freaking people out is that these really dark, subcultures are now in the light, right? And people are seeing them yeah. and it's disturbing them, maybe rightly so. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you read Romans 1 and sometimes, you know, uh, people would always think like, oh, you know, just, uh, you know, the judgment uh, that's talked about, uh, uh, that's due them, it says in Romans 1, where uh, uh, a man engages in sexual activity with a man or a woman with a woman, what we would call homosexuality. We kind of look at that and we go like, man, that's hardcore. Yeah. But nowadays, you know, you read some of this stuff and you kind of go, whoa, man, this is <laughs> like really, really out there. I know, you know? me and both um, say all the time, man, we miss the days of just regular <laughs> porn. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know where it, um, this can get really, really interesting. Now, um, this, you know, like Peter's saying, this isn't something very new in the sense that men dressing up as women um, and and finding arousal in that and finding that uh, them being abused in this acting, if you will, um, is something that they like. Right. I mean, this is something that has been going on for a long time long time in human beings. Um, and, uh, it, you know, maybe today, um, 
and, and this is something maybe I can bring up and we can maybe do another podcast on as we go through this article some more, but but this is a really small, and me and Peter were talking about this, this is a you know, real small niche here. I mean, this, this isn't, I mean, yeah, trans has grown as far as people looking and searching and curiosity and everything like that. And now you have uh, free media that you can really look up all kinds of stuff. Mm. And, and certainly, you know, curiosity is there, you know, in, especially in uh, younger people, uh, I would imagine, where they just go up online and start looking up stuff, mm. you know. And, but this, I mean, what, what we're talking about where uh, a man sees himself as a woman, dresses up as a woman, finds arousal as a woman, wants to be mis- uh, abused as a woman and objectified as a woman and, uh, and get some kind of sexual satisfaction from that. It's probably not what a lot of 13-year-olds and 20-year-olds are running into on the internet. Right. I would imagine they're not like so big on this. Right. You know, uh, we we all have known of people. The fetish community has grown amazingly over the last, I would say, fifty years. <clears throat> right. And uh, I mean, when people, I remember when uh, what was it, um, Shades of Grey? Yeah, Fifty Shades. Fifty of Grey. Shades of Grey came out. You know, people are still like, "Whoa, that's so hardcore." Right. You know, but n- even now, just what five years later? Yeah. You know, you go what? That seems soft. Yeah, <laughs> and that seems kind of mellow. Yeah, I was, I was listening yeah. to Jordan Peterson. He was talking about uh, the normalization of things. Yeah, and he says once you get into fields, what you realize is that there is outskirts. There's outliers of a field, but he's yeah. like, but you got to realize there's outliers of outliers. <laughs> That's right. And he's like, so when you normalize the outlier, then... he's like, you don't know what's, <laughs> what's on, on the other side. What's on the other side of that thing? Yeah, man. if you push the envelope, the envelope gets pushed. <laughs> yeah. And it's always further out there. Yeah. You know, there's always that club that's doing that interesting thing. And, and then there's a back room and in the club. And <laughs> then there's a back room with a club, right? And that's what maybe this is going on, you right. know, this kind of stuff that's very, very niche right. you know? Um, but there is um, there is a a very important point that this person's making, um, and that is that the influence of pornography certainly uh, has a part to play in what's going on today. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been experimenting with free pornography uh, for kids uh, for at least the last. 20 years maybe yeah. 15 20 years something like that and you know you ever wondered what happens when kids have free pornography yeah. and 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 now we start to maybe start seeing stuff and the interesting thing is though transgender porn is not very i would say at the forefront of the pornhub.com websites mm-hmm. there is a a genre of pornography that is super popular on those sites which is what's called hentai porn um, or cartoon porn um, Japanese perverted pornography um, that is very very popular and think of how many kids watch anime that's super popular and even within anime there's a interesting gender twist within don't you see it 
Yeah. And so when you watch just traditional anime, you can see a very feminizing or a very masculizing, or uh, uh, what would be the word? Um, yeah, masculizing, I guess. Or yeah, or, like when you if you if you watch anime, especially newer anime, um, you see a lot of the male characters look a very effeminate. You know, they they have longer hair. They you know like they they flip their hair. They yeah. have like painted nails. They they dress in an effeminate way. It's it's really kind of a fascinating thing. If you watch like older anime. It's more into like kung fu, and the men are very masculine and burly, and the, and the women are very effeminate. And then in more modern uh, anime as well, you do see more, I guess you'd call it like dominatrix type female characters within the anime. So anime has always just been this really, I think, as, especially as Americans, we really are enamored by it. And this is what, again, a lot of people don't understand is that when people become fixated on pornography, they may not be deriving sexual pleasure from it, but they may be viewing it as a spectacle. And so it's like, and I, I, don't, I don't think most people understand that, but yeah. it's like people going to the freak show at the circus. Yeah, people think that you know everybody that's on Pornhub or something is just getting off on porn. Right. But that's not necessarily the case. <clears throat> right. Porn, you know, when you have a free media source, it becomes a source of entertainment. Right. Right. And uh, you know when violent movies started coming out, I mean that it was it was like free, people freaked out. Right. You know what's going to happen to people's minds? What's going to happen to, you know, these kind of things? And it's the same thing with pornography. You know what's going to happen when you have all this free pornography? Right. Is everybody going to be running around naked? Yeah. You know, in the in the community or, yeah. you know how? But it becomes normalized and right. it becomes very blasé. Right. And it be, and people start utilizing the the material for more than just one means. Right. You know, um, where when things become when things are very obscure, uh, then when you see it, it sometimes becomes very arousing. Right. And but when things are very much out in the open all the time, then it becomes blase. Right. And and then you might use it for other purposes and reasons. And I think one of the main dangers that she rightly points out in this article mm -hmm. is if I'm a young teenager and I'm exploring gender identity, right? Um, I was just speaking to someone today and they were told that there's over 76 genders. So, so imagine someone drops that It's on grown me. a little bit. Right. <laughs> I think it started at like 30 and now they went to 50. Now it's at 76. It's like the age of the earth. I know. <laughs> there's a new one every day. That's right. Uh, so again, imagine hearing that from a trusted source when you're a teenager, someone telling you that there's 76 genders, you got to figure out which one you are. I mean, wouldn't the most likely thing you would do is Google it? Just say like, hey, type in gender bending, kind yeah. of like sissification, like, and watching videos to see, is this me? Does this resonate in yeah. some way? Yeah. And what the gender ideology doesn't understand and what this woman does understand is that if you can be convinced, if you could be manipulated into believing something, if that's possible, yeah. then if you're exposed to stuff like this, you might start questioning what you actually are. So if you did have a 12 year old and they came across this pornography, which what was really most disturbing about it to me is you, you may have noticed that Bo called it sissy hypno porn. The hypnotic aspect of the porn is that 
<clears throat> it's not that it like has weird images or something like that. I mean, it does have weird images, but it's the it has like a, a track, like an audio file that's playing on a loop yeah. as you're watching it, saying things like "You are a woman," "You are a woman," like yeah. over and over again. Because that's what's the supposedly arousal part of the pornography, right? Is that idea that I'm a man but I'm a woman, right? You know, kind of thing. So you're not just viewing it, but you're like subliminally starting to believe that you are. Yeah, and then you're acting it out so yeah if again if she's right which we as christians believe right we believe that the heart of man is depraved and because the heart of man is depraved we have something called a will and we can will ourselves into or out of sinful inclinations and behaviors mm -hmm. so if i am in this state where i'm like oh i'm this free-floating agent and i don't really have a fixed i mean i have a fixed gender identity i just don't know what it is i'm trying to figure out what it is what we would say is, no, you, you actually don't have a fixed gender identity. You have a way that you ought to express your gender. You have a, a moral obligation to God in the way that you act at your gender, but you don't actually have a fixed identity that you can discover, and then your life will just kind of open up like a flower. That doesn't exist. But if you believe that way and you start searching things out, it will, it might pro provide a lot of confusion for someone. Yeah, well, think of it this way. if 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 your search for identity is in 2023, you know, you might only have a certain, um, a certain, you know, bag to dip your hand in and choose from. Right. You know, there might be so many names in that bag and you pull up one and you go, oh, I'm, I'm Sissy Hypno, yeah. you know, and I'm gonna check that out or I'm this identity or that identity or, you know, but you know, maybe in 2000, you know, 28, that bag might be filled with a, 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 another hundred different, meaning as you grow, in, as your mental imagination right. <laughs> grows, right. you know, you have more potential to um, experience yeah. and delve into. Right. And so, you know, today kids have more cartoons, you know, than the Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck that I was raised on, where you really only had like, it seemed like five characters, right. you know, and, and that was pretty much it. Right. Where today they have a plethora right. of characters they can get onto. Right. And it opens up their mind to different things. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, art, you talk a lot about art. And in a sense, this is all some weird art, right. <laughs> you know, and, and it's an expression right. uh, of people's minds. Right. And again, this is another thing that people don't understand, because uh, some people might recoil a little and say, well, porn is an art. Well, it's a degraded art, but it is an art. Yeah. It, it is expressing experience. Yeah. Right. It, it's a lie. Right? You look at it and you'd say that's a it's a lie in the sense that it's portraying sexuality in a way that's manipulated or distorted from what God intends, right? It's a, it's a distortion of something that's good, but it's, it is a representation of real experiences that someone can have. And they can have it vicariously, meaning they could have it through pure voyeurism in porn, or they can actually act it out in their own personal lives and experience it that way. But it is an art form, and therefore it can move people, and it does move people. Yeah. Well, we have we have we have whole sports. You know, you think I know this might be going a little out there, but you think of like cheerleading, or you think mm -hmm. of these kind of things. You know, and people might go, "What? How how can that be porn?" Well, I'm not saying it is pornography, right. 
But what I'm saying is that, I mean, we have to be real. I mean, you know, when you look at cheerleaders. What's the intent? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like... So the definition of a porn is something that exists only for the sake of arousal. Yeah. Primary right? purpose. Right. So what what is the primary primary purpose? purpose right? That's right. Were people in the stands just not getting into it until like the <laughs> pom-poms start going? You know, there's, there's an obvious reason as to why the cheerleaders look like they do. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot. You know, you know, there's a lot that when you start, you know, when we start kind of tearing down or peeling the onion, mm. we start seeing that this gets a little closer to home than right. we'd like to think about. And I think what, what hentai represents and why you're so right to bring it up is you have sexual expression that's untethered to reality. So it's pure imagination. Yeah. And and you have uh, what's called futari. Right. You know, um, um, which is a genre of cartoon anime kind of porn mm. uh, not even anime it's it can be futari can be really anything it's basically like a woman with a male genital right genitalia right. and um but but you know that's something that is very uh um out there right. it's very much a part of that um you know cartoonish uh, pornography that's available right. to many people and has been for free for a long time. And I would imagine that a lot of young people that are in the hentai world, anime world, you know, there's a crossover where some of them see that. Mm. And and these images aren't non-beautiful images. They're, right. The people look very feminine and pretty and things like that. They just have male genitalia. Right. And um, so I imagine that would create uh, uh, some very interesting um, education patterns within the brain of a young person. But we're going to um, stop there for today. We'll continue this podcast and do a part two. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll go from there. But interesting, huh? Um, so pornography and the transgender world. Um, so we'll finish the article next time. You guys take care. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. <laughs>